Are you someone who doesn't take life too seriously? Do you sometimes find that a shot of whiskey isn't only deserved, but needed? If you said yes to either of those, welcome to the Whiskey and Lace podcast, where we have honest chats with everyday people, shit shows and all. I'm your host, Erica Altus, and I'm here to empower you to be the best version of yourself and perhaps share in a shot of whiskey. Now pour yourself a glass of wine and let's go. Today I have my brother-in-law and his name is Mark Simpson. And I don't even know where to begin with you. Um, He is the owner of IPD. I'm one of the owners. One of the owners. I cannot discredit my fellow compatriots of the company. (laughs) He is a dad of three boys and the husband of the most beautiful woman who's also born on the same day I was, Cherie. Mm -hmm. And I've known Mark for, what, 25 years? At least that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's absolutely one of my favorite human beings. He's funny. He is personable. He's the best salesman I know. And uh, so I I wanted to podcast you because I just feel like you are a wealth of knowledge. You've got a lot of great life experience under your belt and so many good stories that we've experienced together and alone. Um, and so, yeah, like tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are and, you know, what you do and where sure, you came sure. from. Yeah. Well, it- you buttered me up very nicely. That's going to be <laughs> a very hard act to follow, but thank you very much, Erica. Yeah. Um, I think you, most of your listeners know that you come from a big family and also that my brother-in-law, your husband, Mark, comes from a big family. So I know that when we first met over at the Altus house, it was always mayhem. You know, there's eight kids and two parents and all the kids had husbands or wives or boyfriends and girlfriends and whatnot around. So, you know, having a family dinner over at that house was shoots probably 20 plus people at all times, minimum. And it's loud. And so I, I know that when I first started dating Shri and kind of went into the fold, how intimidating it was. And then, you know, you came in, you know, five or so years later after that. And I can imagine how even more intimidating that was probably specifically with me giving you shit. Yeah. Well, let's tell that story actually. So the first night that I went to, they would, his mom would do Sunday night dinners, Mark's mom. And the first night I went there, I was nervous, you know, but I came from a big family. So I was kind of, you know, used to the chaos and used to a lot of people. But, you know, there's like an assembly line when she say of like getting your food For and then sure. going and finding a place to sit. And I'll let you take it away from here on what you did to me. I don't, I don't even, I kind of remember. Okay, so you, you I was go. sitting with, I ended up going and sitting with Mark and he had a friend over, a couple friends over. So I went and naturally sat next to them and you came up to me. And you had your plate of food and you looked at me, you're like, oh, it's cool. Don't, don't, you don't want to sit with us? No big deal. Like, it's cool. No, no that's worries. Right. You that's know? right. Like, Cause you sat with, with Mark and you were, I think you may be even sitting at the, at the table in the living room and we're all at the, at the, at the living room at the, yeah. no, you're at the little round table in front yes. of the TV and we're all at the table. And so I gave you shit. Cause I'm like, oh, too cool to sit with the adults over here. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. And then deadpan. And then later on that night, I told Marky, I'm like, I don't think your brother-in-law likes me at all. He's like, what? And I'm all, he totally made me feel so bad for not sitting next to them. And he's like, that's just Mark Simpson. Like, don't, don't take him seriously. And then very early on, I caught on to your humor. Yeah, that, that, that began a quarter century of shit talking between us. So totally, it's been good. totally. So then you, I want to, you know, like maybe we just don't, we don't have to dive right into career, but I will say that you from a very early on, you know, part of our relationship, you became my mentor in business very quickly. You are so smart at what you do and just, you know, you were the first sales representative for Hurley. 
Hold on. Okay. I'm, I'm not that smart. Let's be super <laughs> honest. But what I am is there's a couple things in sales that you have to do. It's really easy. You just have to call people back and you have to show up when you say you're going to show up. It's so true. The end. The one thing that you did teach me, one of the things of the many you did teach me, you said, if you don't have an out of office response on your email, you need to get back to them within 24 hours. Yeah, you just do. And it's not that hard. It takes zero time. So yeah. in any case, so no, not that smart in business, but I like to think I'm personable and I call yeah. people back and I show up. Yeah. That's sort of been my, my feather in my cap, I guess, that I've always tried to stand by. And I try to work with all my reps now and teach them that too. Like, just call people back. You win. Yeah. Just by showing up, you win, right? Yeah, totally. Totally. It's like just customer service 101. Yeah, it's easy. For but, sure. But people forget it. It's weird. Yeah. And right? I'll never forget too, we were at a sales meeting together and um, it was one of my first sales meetings at Hurley. And way back in the day, I mean, they would have like booze on trays, like shots of, you know, Don Julio just being passed around. And I'm like, you know, 21. And I got pretty wasted. And the next day I was so hungover. And it was like our first or second day of having actual sales meetings. And I'll never forget what you said to me. You said, gotta pull through, bud. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I did. And I'll never forget that. And, and anytime I'm just hungover, I just tell myself that. I'm like, yeah, you gotta play through. You gotta, you gotta, you you gotta pay, you pay to play. Yeah. What right? was it like back in the day? in the surf industry, being that very first sales representative. It for- was, it was very, um, it was super loose. It was very, not necessarily debaucherous, but it was a lot less buttoned up than it is now. Right. I mean, trade shows were essentially a big excuse to have a party, Totally, you know, and there was kegs at every booth. There was bands playing, there was skate ramps. They don't was, do this anymore. No, we need to bring this no, shit back. Way too buttoned up, way too buttoned up. Now yeah. everyone's very serious. And, um, I personally, I mean, we can, segue into that later, but that's the reason that I started my new company was mm-hmm. because I was kind of tired of what it had become, which is such a big inflated beast of a business owned by massive corporations, owned by the whole surf industry is pretty much owned by people that don't even surf. It's owned by Wall Street and it's owned by private equity firms out of New York. And when you first started, and it was nothing like no, that. It was, all, it was owned by surfers and run by surfers and it was okay to have a lot of fun. Yeah. And then it kind of turned into something different as people were chasing the top line revenue, right? And this was when he started, you guys, just so you know, it was in 99. Yeah, 99. I, mean, I actually started in the clothing industry in 91 with Mossimo. Mossimo. With Mossimo. I was number 18 employee at Mossimo. I started working in the warehouse. So crazy. Putting t-shirts in boxes and shipping it out to accounts. It was pretty cool. Well, and speaking of the warehouse, another bit of advice that you gave me when I became a sales rep was you treat everybody from your manager down to the person packing your order. You make them feel like you appreciate them. Yeah. Like in the same way that you would your manager to yeah. down to that person. And I really, that really stuck with me. Well, you know what? I, I got that from Bob Hurley, okay. you know, who, who is a, is a, is a big mentor of mine. And I worked, Bob and I worked together for you know, a couple decades. And um, that's one thing that Bob always did, no matter how big his company was, when it was an $80 million company, when he was running Billabong all the way through starting Hurley through the Nike acquisition, I never once saw Bob not treat anybody with, with kindness and respect and that was from every single level of the company. Bob would get on his skateboard and go skateboarding through the halls of the building, literally. I love and that. And just talking to people in customer service, talking to people in design, just yeah. It's like a trickle-down effect. Like, 100%. if your person at the bottom is happy, it works its way all the way up. 100%. 100%. That's so I important. agree. So I, I really learned that from Bob. And that's something that I always will try to take through to, to, to my business, you know, acumen now. Whether I'm even out on the road visiting people in shops, 
You know, you don't just go into the shop and talk to the owner or talk to the buyer. Talk to the shop kids on the floor. Slap yeah. them a high five. Those totally. are the guys that are selling your product, right? For sure. For sure. So you're the first sales rep with Hurley and things just, it kind of started blowing up, right? Like the brand itself and... Yeah, it blew up pretty quick. It was crazy. It, yeah. um, you know, we, it happened to be that, you know, some of the guys in Hurley were friends with the guys from Blink-182. And, okay. and it was right when Blink-182 was turning into the biggest band in the world. They were and kind of making a comeback. You know that, right? They are now. I know, huh? <laughs> like old guys tour, right? Yeah, yeah. Like me. Totally. Um, but no, but, and honestly, it was an, it was a full inflection point because they actually were, they won the MTV Music Awards back when that actually still mattered. I don't know if it does or not. Yeah, but, but not as much. In any case, it did a lot then, right? Okay. And they went on stage and they were, they were not supposed to have um, corporate logos on their shirts. And so they had to, their shirts said Hurley on them and the, the stage people made them duct tape over Hurley. And they went on stage and started playing and said, fuck it. And they ripped the, the duct tape off. And her, there was Hurley on stage with Blink-182, the biggest band in the world at the MTV Music Awards. And holy shit, we did we start selling a lot of t-shirts. God, I had no idea yeah, about that so story. full 100% like moment in time. Thank you, Blink-182, yeah. for saying fuck it. Yeah, right? That is awesome. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, it was pretty rad. So you would go around in uh, in Northern California yep. and pull Rolling Rocks. I you know, yeah. remember this all too well. And how long did you stay there? Uh, I was with Hurley for 21 years. Yeah. So yeah, I was there, like I said, from, from day one through the Nike acquisition. So I was technically a Nike employee for okay. 18 years. And fortunately, because I am, well, I'm old now, but Nike has this formula of how many years you're a Nike employee plus your age. And if it equals a certain amount, you get a lifetime discount. So really, yeah. Oh yeah. So my family is fortunate enough to have a, a lifetime Nike <laughs> discount for the rest of our lives. That's amazing. Them, even Henry, even my youngest son, <laughs> he got it when he was like seven, right? That's and perfect. now he's 17. So he'll have it forever. Oh my gosh. I yeah, love so that. That's kind of cool. Love that. So no, I was there um, th till Nike actually sold Hurley to a private equity firm out of New York and um, they operate on most, mostly a licensed model. And so I knew that the distribution was going to kind of be blown yeah. wide up. And at the same point in time, this kind of goes back to where I was seeing a miss in the surf industry, which was fun. It, right. it had become so corporate and so right. big and so bloated and selling to Macy's and Nordstrom's and Dick's Sporting Goods and blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't about like the small core retailer anymore. So a group of friends and myself kind of sat, sat aside and said, hey, what if we did this on a smaller scale? And it doesn't have to be a $500 million a year company. You can, you can run a much smaller company and as long as you're profitable, you know, hey, maybe it's a, a $20 million company and you drop 10% to the bottom line or 20% to the bottom line. That's just fine with us right. because we'd already played at this big, huge level and it wasn't that much fun in the end. So right. we just wanted to do something. So what does IPD stand for? Well, IPD stands for International Pro Designs. It was actually Bob Hurley's original trademark and label. So before he did Hurley, before he did Billabong, he was a surfboard shaper in, um, in Newport Beach, Costa Mesa area. And IPD was was a, was a label that he put on his surfboards, Hurley surfboards. And what it was, it was meant originally to be um, sort of a, a union of shapers, glassers, um, hot coders, people in the industry. Like So it stands for authenticity. And that was um, a, a brand that went on the surfboard. And growing up in Newport Beach in the 80s, that was kind of like a badge of honor to have that on your board. It was sort of like a like a UL, right? Like United Laboratories for surfboards, right? Yeah. And so we always just loved the logo. And so when, when I left Hurley, I asked Bob, I said, Hey, Bob, what did you ever do with, with uh, the IPD trademark? And it turns out that when Nike was buying Hurley back in 2002, I believe, 
they were going to acquire all of our um, all of our IP, right? And so Bob went to his friend Isaku Isaku Murata, who was a surfboard shaper out of Huntington, who was using the IPD logo on his boards at that time. And he said, "Hey Isaku, you might want to buy this uh, buy the IP from me because Nike's going to take it." And so Isaku bought it. And so when I asked Bob if he had it, he goes, "Well, Isaku has it, but I'm sure we can get it back. What are you thinking?" And so I told him the story. So this is a good one. So we went to Isaku, and myself and Bill Hurley, Bob's brother. And we told him what we wanted to do, an apparel brand called IPD. And uh, we asked him, would you consider to give us back or, or can we buy the, the IP back from you, the trademark? And, and Asaku is Japanese. Japanese culture, very much like it's your family's, it's yours. You take it back. And we completely said, no, we're going to pay for it. And it was like one of those games where where the, the bill comes at the restaurant and two people are fighting over the bill. Like, yes. I'm paying. No, I'm paying. <laughs> and so we were basically just kind of going, going, look, you paid for this. So we are going to pay you for it. And Asaku said, hey, do you guys know how much I paid for it? And Bill said, yeah, Bob said, I think $5,000. And Asaku goes, no, no, no. Bob, Bob charged me $500. Oh, wow. And he goes, but I didn't even have $500. He goes, so I borrowed, so I borrowed um, $250 from my parents. And I paid Bob that and told him I'd pay the rest later. And I never ended up paying him. And a couple of years ago, Bob took me to lunch and said, hey, Asaku, I did pretty good in the clothing business. Don't worry about that 250 bucks. <laughs> so, so did you end up paying him yeah, for to yeah, get it yeah. back? So he, he $500? So, yeah, yeah, we, no, we paid, we paid him $5,000. Oh, we gave him $5,000. Awesome. And that immediately came with the, um, the, uh, the trademark for uh, North America. And he had also trademarked it in Japan. So automatically trademarked it in Japan. And we have, oh, a, we have a licensed cool. partner that, that does a great job for us too. That's so awesome. any case, and this was right when COVID was starting, right? And so perfect every, timing. Perfect, great time to great start time. a brand. <laughs> and um, everyone's at their houses. No one can leave. We're on lockdown. And, oh. and so we just kind of, we go, what are we doing? It was kind of a yeah. hobby at first. And, and we had some stickers built. And then Bob actually put a sticker on the sand in front of his house in Newport and took a picture of it and posted it on Instagram. And immediately people started like DMing him and us going, Hey, what are you guys doing? What's going there, on? There what like are you guys doing? Yeah, it. there was an excitement there's behind it. There's history, there's stories. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. So in any case, that was it. Off to the races. And so we spent the next year building up the brand and, and um, talking about what we wanted it to be. And we, we launched in June of 21. So we're almost at our two-year anniversary right now, but we truthfully went from brand conception to product at retail in 18 months it, during a pandemic, during massive that's supply so chain amazing. issues. And that's just testament to, to the history of the team. So yeah. it's been super, super fun. That's awesome. I'm yeah. really proud of you. Yeah. Thank and, you. You know, just being in that surf industry was such a whirlwind to me. You know, I was really young when I got in and I have to thank you because I don't think I would have gotten my job at Roxy because I was young and green, you yeah. know, like I, I was still only had a few years under my belt and that was a big brand to take over oh, yeah. at a young age. And um, I have to thank you because I, I honestly don't think I would have gotten that job if it weren't for you because you were one of my references. And oh, was I? <laughs> yeah, you were one of my references and you told my sales manager because you had to go through a lot of rounds of yeah. interviews. And one of the sales managers, when they told me that I got the job, said, I just want to let you know I mean, for many reasons, I'm sure I got the job, but one of the things that stood out to them was they gave you a call and asked, you know, for your opinion of me. And they said that you told them that, hey, let me put it to you this way. If my wife and I go down in a fiery plane crash, <laughs> right. 
Erica's the one that's going to take my three children. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I forgot it. Yeah. I forgot I said that. And I I swear, like, it just was like dying because I'm like, I love that you thought to like use that example of trust and all that's dedication, right? I mean, (laughs) that that clearly means that I back you. Totally, totally. So, and I just love that they relayed that story onto me. And I just, I like rolled my eyes. I'm like, fucking Simpson. Yeah. Well, it all worked out for the best. You're here now. I'm here now. I know. I know. We've come such a long way. And it was such a great journey. You've evolved a lot further, though. I'm still selling t shirts. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I'm kind of selling t-shirts sometimes, yeah. but but anyways, but okay, so like I love that you did all you did within your career, but within that, it's a lot of travel. Yep. It's a lot of time being away from your family. Yeah. And so I'm curious how you would give advice to somebody who is able to manage their work-life balance, you know? Like how do you do that? How did you do that? You know, you're really involved with your children. I see it all the time and I think people struggle with that. So do you have any like advice when it comes to that? My path was a little bit different, really, because once I moved off of being a road rep and moved into more of a management role, technically, I should have been forced to move to Southern California because I live in Northern California. I should have been, you know, hey, Mark, you have to come to Southern California. You have to work out of the corporate offices. And I kind of refused to do it. And I was very stubborn. I said, I'm not doing that. I live up here. This is what I'm doing. And if I'm sitting, I'm in sales. If I'm sitting in in a meeting all day long, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Okay, that you're not you're not getting the best of me. So I kind of negotiated to where what I would do for probably close to eight to ten years, two to three weeks out of the month, I'd go down. I'd go down Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I'd work out of my home office Monday, Friday. And I was really fortunate because the people that I worked for were very understanding, committed to family. So they understood that I wanted to be there for my family, coach my kids' sports teams, and just be present as much as possible. But still, there's a, there's a lot of travel, you know. But when I'm the good part is that when, when I'm home. I'm home. So when yeah. I'm on the road, I'm on the road. But when I'm home, I'm 100% in. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of a, it's, it's, for me, it worked better than say a traditional job of getting up in the morning at six o'clock, driving an hour to the office, being in there for 10 hours, driving another hour home and getting home and putting your kids to bed at seven o'clock or eight o'clock and not seeing them. Yeah. This worked better for me. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Well, and speaking of family, uh, you have a unique story about yourself that when I posted about interviewing you, it was the most interest that people showed was around you being adopted. Yeah. That's so, so, that's, so you, that's so trippy to me. I, I find it's so normal to me yeah. being adopted that I find it interesting that people find being that adopted interesting. Cause yeah. to me, it's totally normal. You know, my adoptive parents, my parents, as I call them, they, I think they did a really good job because they, they let me know that I was adopted from probably from before I even could understand what that meant. The words probably sounded like blah, 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 but they were like, Hey, we adopted you. We chose you. And so I grew up with it being just the the most normal thing in the world. 100% thinking, yeah, this is the way it is. It's great. Um, The only thing interesting about my adoption, I think is that my natural mother who gave birth to me was 14 years old. That is crazy. Yeah, Freshman in high school. Am do you I, know, do you know like the story behind that? No. Like why she gave you up for adoption or like what happened? Like, I mean, I'm sure you don't know the details, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, maybe you do. I, I don't know. No, I don't know. I, the only details I know is that at 14, I probably was conceived in the back of a car or a, <laughs> or a dugout or somewhere not great. Right. Totally. And it was, it was 1967. Right. So right. I guarantee you there was probably drugs and alcohol involved. 14. Yeah. It's totally. I'm, I'm pretty, totally. I'm pretty stoked that I turned out halfway decent, yeah. I guess. Huh? Yeah. So, you know, one of the biggest questions I got has, was, did you, have you ever met your biological parents? Do you want to? And what, what does that look okay, like Okay. This now? is good. This is a fun one. I think you know this story. I think about, I do, but about, I'd love about to hear 23 it and me, right? So my mom has been passed away now for about 20 years, but 
she had told my sister Michelle and I, who was also adopted from a different family, that one of us had some amount of, of Native American in us. Mm-hmm. And so when it came time for my oldest son, Jack, to go to college and applying for colleges, I go, I'm going to do 23andMe and find out if I have Native American in me. So maybe we, maybe we can get some uh, scholarship money, right? <laughs> totally. Always thinking, right? <laughs> Sales, baby. Sales. <laughs> and it, it came back that I, I did actually, I think 15.9% Native American, which wow. isn't nearly enough to get help Jack get into school but or pay for it, but whatever. It worked out fine. But the interesting part of this is I just got that result. It came with 30-page report that I completely ignored because I didn't care because I'm here <laughs> totally. and I don't care what I am. Yeah. And um, a couple years later, we were up at your cabin in Tahoe, okay. I remember. And yeah. I think that that uh, one of one of the sister-in-laws and, and yourself and people were like, hey, Mark, did you ever look into more into 23andMe? And I'm like, no, why? And they're like, well, you never know who, what you might find. I'm like, no, nah, I don't care. And so they just cajoled me, to badgered me to get online. I wanted to know more and, about and, you. And, yeah, I guess so. And so we went online up there at your cabin in Tahoe. Yeah. I'll never forget. I know right where I was sitting too. And we, I forgot my log on and we had to figure out how to get onto 23andMe. <laughs> and it comes up and it shows you all these matches, right? Like your point zero 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 one percent related to like 500,000 people. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, you are something like point what, whatever, like basically he said, you're 0.38% or so-and-so with this person, one person. We think this person is your half-brother. I'm like, what? Oh, and, wow. And, yeah, do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, and then and I go, oh, no way. And just tripping, and people are going, text him or, or email him, email him. Because you can, you have can con- contact. Yeah, you yeah. can contact him through there. So I emailed him, and I was just like, hey, super not a weirdo. I'm not looking for anything. Just checking in. I, you might be my half-brother. You can get back to me if you want to. And he did, and he got back to me. And we ended up talking on the phone. We ended up exchanging pictures. The dude actually looks like me. I've shown you pictures yeah, of him, right? Yeah, yeah. looks like me. He kind of has a big nose. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I tower over him because I asked him how tall he was. I go, hey, this is a weird question. I go, how, how tall are you? Because I'm five seven. I go, oh, I tower over you. I'm five eight. It's great. <laughs> but I've, I'm because I'm old. I'm shrinking now. Back to five seven, I think. But um, no, he seems super super cool. And yeah. we've actually um, that was right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so we had made plans to meet, but then the pandemic happened and nothing ever happened. And, and we ended up reaching out a few months ago. And I think we're going to try to connect this summer, oh, awesome. his family and my family when we're down in Newport beach. So he is in fact, your half brother. Like, yeah, he's my it- half, no fact, half brother, our dad, he knows who our dad is. He lived, our dad apparently lives up in Seattle. Okay. Um, he, and my, our dad was very, very promiscuous. So he not only had me or made me, there's also my, my half brother, Brent is his uh-huh. name, um, who's one month older than me because two different women. Oh, geez. And then there's another girl that's two years older than us that came from this guy. So apparently his parents said, dude, you are way too much trouble. We're sending you to an all-boys school where you can't get anybody pregnant in Seattle. <laughs> and so <laughs> any case, so yeah, so he lives up in Seattle, but he's married. He has kids. And I think oh he's a gosh. university professor. And, and my brother-in-law sent me pictures of him. So there's, so there's a, I'm peeling back the onion a little yeah. bit. What about your birth mom? Have you made any headwind no, on her? No, no, head, no. And okay. I, don't, I don't even know how to. And, Can and she like reach out to you if you want to? Do you know how like that worked when you first were adopted? I don't know. I think okay. she, I, I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. And and this, my, my ambivalence in this is, is completely honest and, and pure. Like 
if I say I don't really care, it's because I honestly don't. I was blessed to have great parents. Yeah. And now you don't I, like feel like you have a void. No, there's not a hole in my soul of looking for my birth parents. <laughs> I'm okay. Well, and kind of like, I <laughs> little, mean, I, little marks, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm very interested to know, like, as a woman who has had children, I'm just curious how that must have been for her at such a young age yeah, to right? go through that. Crazy, and then, right? And then, you know, make that decision. I mean, it was arguably probably very it's very selfless that yeah. she did that, oh, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know her dynamic at that yeah. time or what it was like, but that would be something of curiosity to me, but... You, you know, the, the number... I guess I will say this. Um, I, I do wish that I could meet her, not to forge a relationship with her, but right. just say thank you and to let her know that I'm doing okay, right? And, yeah. to, and, to, and to say, hey, look at my, my beautiful family. Look at my, my three boys. Look at what we've... Yeah, because look you at, wonder at, if she wonders. Yeah, you right. Know? Like she, I, yeah. If if she's still. Oh, Mark, let's find her. Yeah, go. Okay, you go first. I okay. don't know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If anybody uh, thinks that they know someone that looks like this guy, <laughs> big nose, one eyebrow, dark hair. <laughs> there was Shereen. I used to go at this restaurant in Newport called the Crab Cooker, uh-huh. and there was this lady who was a waitress, and and we both jokingly thought that like. That's what my mom would look like. She kind of had a big <laughs> nose and, and she looked a little bit Italian. And it was oh so funny because like she'd take our order and, I'll, and I'd be like, I'd be like, I'll have the light eaters plate, mom. And I'd say mom <laughs> under my breath, just jokingly. <laughs> this guy. It was so trippy. Well, speaking of Cherie, yeah. who we, you know, touched on earlier when I was introducing you. Sure. I love her so much. Like, can you tell us a little bit about how you guys met, how you, you know, handled entering this family, yeah. you know, and everything like that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Shree and I actually met. She was dating a friend of mine. I'm a that bad wow. guy. I, I steal my friend's girlfriends. <laughs> no, that's not what happened. Um, I and I had a girlfriend at the time, and, and I had a girlfriend, and she was just dating this guy, not boyfriend girlfriend. Got so it. Okay, whatever they weren't the, committed. Exactly. But you whatever, were committed. Whatever the case may be, we had a little party one night, and um, it's because the guy that she was seeing was leaving for Australia for six months, and I'll never forget that when they were leaving, I had the weirdest the weirdest feeling of like, not I'm going to miss my friend because he's leaving, but I was super bummed because I wasn't going to see her again. I really, really did think that. I didn't know why. I just like, I had that thought and I know I had that thought. And I know right where I was standing when I had that thought. That is such an awesome memory to like just have in your- But then she went her separate way and I didn't see her. And, you know, it turns out my my girlfriend and I broke up a few months later and and, um, I was in a bar one night in Newport Beach, Snug Harbor. And no longer there. One of the best dive bars ever. And I looked across the room and she looked over at me and she pointed at me and walked over and she said, you're Mark, right? And I knew who it was, but I forgot her name because not that many people are named Sheree. So (laughs) she goes, I'm Sheree. And um, and that was it. So it was like really really interesting, you know? Yeah. And, and she, she said, I remember she said, Hey, is, is Joe back? That was my friend. I'm like, yeah, Joe's back in town. She was, Oh, no way. And we made a bunch of small talk and hung out for a little bit. And then I got her phone number. I think she gave me her phone number. She oh, was, is this up for debate? Yeah, it's, it's totally <laughs> up for debate, but I'm right. I have a way better memory. <laughs> she gave me her phone number and I was super like, uh, I was befuddled because I didn't know whether she wanted me to use the phone number or if she wanted me to give the phone number to Joe. Oh, I didn't know. No. So in any case, there was I did, kind of a gray area. There was gray area, but I didn't care. So the next day I called her up and, and I said, Hey, we're having a bunch of friends, you know, down to the beach today. If you want to, if you want to come down, we were staying, living in this place in, in North Laguna. And, um, she was, Oh, that sounds so fun. I wish I could, but I already have plans today. 
I'm like, oh, okay. And then I go, well, hey, we're also having a party tonight. If you're free tonight, we're having a party tonight. Oh, and I'm sorry. I have, I have plans, you know. She was tonight. busy. And I'm like going, damn. And I go, oh, crud. And she goes, but then she said, she goes, but I'm free tomorrow. Oh, and I go, an opportunity. Okay, opportunity. The door swings open. Yeah. Hey there, fellow wine enthusiasts. I've got something exciting for you today. If you're looking for the perfect wine tasting destination in Sonoma County, Matanzas Creek Winery, nestled in the breathtaking Bennett Valley region, is calling your name. Picture this. Rolling lavender fields, stunning views, award-winning Sauvignon Blancs and Merlots, and an exclusive offer just for you. Use promo code WhiskeyandLace when you book your tasting at exploretalk.com slash Matanzas Creek, and you'll get a two-for-one deal on tastings, plus a complimentary charcuterie plate to enhance your experience and 10% off all wine purchases. And guess what's stealing the spotlight right now? Matanzas Creek's new sparkling brut rosé. When you book a tasting at Matanzas Creek using my promo code WhiskeyandLace, you will receive a complimentary glass of the highly anticipated and exclusive sparkling brut rosé to enjoy during your visit. And with that 10% off, you can take home a whole bottle or two. It's the cherry on top of an already fantastic experience. So treat yourself gather your friends or surprise a loved one with a day at Matanzas Creek Winery. To unlock this incredible offer, head to exploretalk.com slash Matanzas Creek, choose your preferred tasting and enter promo code WhiskeyandLace at checkout. This offer will be running through January, so don't miss out on this one-of-a-kind opportunity. Book now and enjoy a day spent at Matanzas Creek Winery. So fast forward, I'm down on the beach that day, hanging out, whatever, surfing, shooting the shit with my friends, and I come up to the house at the end of the day. And one of my buddies goes, Hey Mark, guess who's coming to the party tonight? And I go, he goes, Sheree. And I go, what? So apparently her plans fell through for that evening. Oh, She drove solo to a party where she only barely kind of knew me. And we're celebrating our 29th wedding anniversary this August. That is so awesome. Yeah. That's so awesome. And do you remember the first time that you got to meet Marky? Yeah, yeah. What he was like when he, because how old was he? He was only what, like? He was like eight. eight? Yeah, he was little. Austin's age. That's yeah, he, crazy. he was little and he was chubby and he wore clip-on ties. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mark. He was, he was a little kid. Yeah. No, I remember hanging out. We hung out. Their, their parents were staying in Newport Dunes Motorhome Park. Oh, my and, gosh. And we were hanging out in the pool. I was throwing them around the pool and stuff like that. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well, Um. so I want to play a little game with you. Yeah. Never have I ever. Oh, shit. And you have to be honest. Okay. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Never have I ever shit my pants in an airport. Oh, I've done that multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> Can you please tell us one of the stories I don't think, if you're open to I don't, doing it? I don't think you're listening. It is one of my favorite Mark Simpson stories because you weren't just like going on a flight from, you know, San Francisco to LA. Okay. I, I don't think you're listening. Okay. You can edit. I'll tell you. But you can edit this in post-production because I'm not sure your listeners even oh, want to care not, about this. We're not editing this. Okay. Which, which one do you want? Which one? Um, the Indonesia one. Again, which one do you want? <laughs> no, okay. I'm going to tell you the second one. The second one's the best. So um, we were flying to Indonesia. We're going out to the Mentawai Islands, which are this island chain that's about 80 miles off the coast of Sumatra. We're going on a boat trip. And uh, wait, oh. Remind me to tell you a funny story about Sheree and in Indonesia after okay. I tell you this right. story. Right. Okay, so I'm going to make this quick because okay. no, I no, tend no. to talk Don't. a lot. It's okay. No, I love it. Okay, so um, I was also flying down to my friend Craig Barker's wedding in Puerto Rico in like a couple months later. So we're at the airport three hours early. So I think- Because you're with, wait, were you with Sheree at this time? No, I was not with Sheree. Oh, I was okay. with a couple of my friends. Okay. They, they went and checked in already. 
And so I had checked in, but I hadn't gone through security yet. And I figured I'm going to stay at the booth and I'm going to try to organize my ticket for Puerto Rico in a couple months. And so I go up to the booth and I'm, hey, because this is back when like you didn't even do stuff online. Like yeah, you, yeah. you, you literally, on your phone. I'm at the airport, I'm going to buy a ticket. And so I'm at the airport talking to the people and they go, no, you have to do it on the phone. I'm like, what? And, and so I go over to the pay phone because that's what it was at the time. <laughs> You're I'm aging on the yourself. Payphone, totally. I'm on the pay phone and I'm just kind of, I'm kind of uh, on hold and I'm just waiting. And God, this is so embarrassing, but I don't care. I had, I had to fart, but a little, <laughs> just a little tiny fart. Little, you can never trust a fart. Little, little just tiny, tiny. And um, I and I farted and shit my pants right there, standing <laughs> in the middle of the airport, crap running down my legs. Were you middle, in shorts or pants? I was in pants. I had these. Okay. I had sweats on, and they were like these oh, Adidas no. like nylon kind of sweats. Oh, I go, oh god. god! Hung up the phone. Realized, <laughs> okay, I'm in the international terminal. What can I do? I'm going to go to the showers. And so I go and I, and I paid money to go into a shower. Okay. And I remember taking off my shirt and getting in the shower with my sweats on, flipping them inside out, soaping them up, blah, 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 cleaning them up, no towel to dry off with, nothing. So I put it back on my, oh, threw my, shoe, my um, shoes and socks away. And I had, <laughs> you had flip-flops. I, yeah, I had flip-flops in my bag always. And so I basically ended up putting on wet sweats. I had my flip-flops and a t-shirt then I got on the plane for the 20 plus hour flight oh to Indonesia. God. So there was that. Oh, one more funny thing. Yes. The, the weirdest part about this was before I went in the showers, I went into the bathroom to see if I could clean up the, the disaster. And I had my pants completely off and I'm standing there nude in the bathroom, <laughs> washing my pants. And this kid came walking in <laughs> and he literally took one look at me and you turned and walked out. <laughs> Can you imagine how, how that scarred that kid is now? <laughs> yeah. I saw a nude dude uh, in the bathroom. Uh, Dad, I just walked in and the guy was, was washing, naked in the bathroom like a washing bum. his pants. Totally. I did look like a bum. <laughs> oh my gosh. So what was the story about Shree? Oh, no. This, this just gives you a little bit of um, insight into Shree's mind. Okay. okay. Uh, or may, maybe just the whole family. Because I think when you grow up in a family of eight kids or seven kids like yourself, mm -hmm. you really learn to fend for yourself. And you're yeah. not really dependent on other people. And you're definitely not needy. So again, an Indonesia trip. I think this one was in 1997. And we'd gone over to the Mentawais. And right when we got to Padang, Sumatra, President Suharto, Suharto was the Indonesian president at the time. He was overthrown. The Chinese government was going crazy. Like literally we were in our hotel. We were told to lay down on the floor because shots were being fired outside. Oh Storefronts were being lit on fire. And the next day we had to have a police escort to take us to the boat. It was super, super sketchy. And then once you get on the boat, there's no communications because again, there was no cell phones and there's no yeah. cell phone service out there, no internet service. So basically you're on this boat Gosh. for 12 days. So over here in America on the news is Indonesia is completely imploding and at, at internal warfare with each other. And, and, and no uh, one can get a hold of no you. No one can get a hold of me. And I'm on the boat. And then we came back in and made our way through the mayhem, got to Singapore airport. And I called Sheree. I said, Hey honey. And she goes, Hey Mark. Oh my gosh. Hey, great to hear from you. And I go, Hey, how's everything going? She goes, hey, hey, good. Hey, call me when you get to SFO. I'm watching the last episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> God, fucking love Sheree. She gave zero fucks that I had just been through the <laughs> war zone. And oh she did God. not want to miss the last episode of Seinfeld. Oh, you, are you live? Cool. Check. <laughs> That's so Sheree. I love her. It was her. totally Sheree. She's very matter of fact. Yeah. Well, let's go, let's go down memory lane a little more because there's a story that we love to tell. And I feel like my followers would love to hear this story. Okay, so, let's do it. Um, 
Mark and I used to go to Hawaii with you and your family and your three boys before we had kids. And we were on the big island. And one day we decided two things happened this day. And one day we decided that we were going to go snorkeling. Oh, that wasn't on the big island. That was on Oahu. 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 Okay. And I want you to take us through this because this is one of the funniest stories that we love to tell over and over again. Okay. Okay. This is a Hanama Bay story, right? Yes. So there's this, for those of you who have not been to Hawaii or Oahu, there is a very famous and very touristy diving spot, snorkeling spot called Hanama Bay. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but... Back then, you didn't have to have reservations. At least I didn't think so. Like maybe you did, but when I'd gone 10 years earlier, you didn't have to have reservations, but maybe this time you did. Uh So we drive around from the North Shore. What are we driving in? uh, Because that matters. Driving in a minivan. Yeah. Driving in a, uh, probably a Chevy. Yeah. Or it was an Astro van. Yes. So myself, Sheree, you, Mark, and then my three boys. Yeah. And um, we pull up and there's no line, but it's blocked off and they're saying, Park's full. You can't come in. And, and I'm like, there's nobody. I go, you can't get one more car in. He goes, park's full. Sold out for the day. I'm like, God damn it. And so we <laughs> drive along and we're driving around and I'm going, what am I going to do? My boys wanted to go snorkeling so, so bad. bad. And the oldest at this point, Jack, was probably Austin's age, like eight. He wasn't very old because yeah, Henry I mean, was just a baby. Yeah. Henry was one. Yeah. And so McCoy was like, what does that make? McCoy five? Yeah. And then and then Jack was like seven or eight. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. And so- Got about a mile down the road, and everyone's going, what are we going to do? Kids are bummed. Kids are bummed. I'm, like, (laughs) letting my kids down, you know, trying to be the good dad. And so I turn the car, kind of full on U-turn. I go driving back, and everyone's kind of go, where's he going? And I I crossed over the uh, center divider. Yeah, the highway. and And I punched it, and I went in the exit. And I and the guy comes running over like, Way! and I'm boo, blew right through it. I went go running and you wind down this hill for about a half yeah. mile. And you see people in your yeah, rearview mirror yeah, chasing me. Yeah, they're you. chasing, chasing me. And these big Hawaiians all pissed. And then we get down to the bottom and there's this gate shack. And there's this big person waiting there, like waiting to get yell at me and bust me. Like get down there and she's like, you cannot park here. And so what does Mark Simpson do in the moment? I I... I didn't plan on this, but all of a sudden I decided to pretend that I didn't speak English. And so I went, uh, park. And she said, you cannot park here. And I go, oh, I, I, I park here. <laughs> you cannot park here. No parking. Full park. Oh, okay. Full park. I park. I go snorkel. You cannot park you, here. Because if you didn't speak and, English, and you'd know the word snorkel. It was so lame. <laughs> and the car was quiet. Yeah. And, it, dead the, and the banner went back and forth. And I completely kept act, acting like I was allowed to do I'm allowed to do this. And the person I, was getting so frustrated they were so at pissed. you. And then finally, I couldn't take it anymore. And I said, okay, I've got to leave. <laughs> and so I drove around and I did a U and it starts driving up the hill. And Erica and Mark and Sheree started busting up laughing. We were and done. Jack, remember Jack, was yes, so pissed. So mad. Dad, you're a maniac. What's wrong with you? He because he was such a rule follower. Rule so he follower. was so embarrassed. And we just died laughing. Yeah. We couldn't believe that he, he just like moshed but, through cones. But, but I tried. I tried. You I, tried. I gave it my best effort to you take did. my kids snorkeling. You did. So instead we went to Waikiki and yep. we rented some soft tops and went surfing. And I was teaching Erica how to surf. Yep. And she fell and then she came up and her boob had fallen out of her bathing suit. Yep. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I got back up and I was like, let's do it again. And what did I'm you like, say? I'm like, feel free to put that thing back in your swimsuit. Like, yeah. Like, like, put it back in and then we'll go again. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, my brother-in-law just saw my boobs. See, it turned out to be a great day. It did. It was a very good day. Not because of the boobs. Successful. 
but just because it was fun to like have that story to tell. Totally, right? totally. It was worth it. It was totally worth it. Mm-hmm. And we talk about it a lot. But um had you have more never may I ever I'm to, what are they never have I ever yeah, I don't know. That was the only one. And guess who came up with that question? Jack Simpson. Me? Yep, your son. He's just a dick. He's all asked me if he's, if he's ever shit his pants in the airport. I'm like, good one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So all right. <laughs> you know, and speaking of your boys, yep. um, you know, I I'm so in awe of how great of a dad you are with those kids. Like what makes you such a great smoke, dad? And- smoke and mirrors. Maybe maybe they wouldn't say so. Maybe they, they oh, might they not would. say so. You have such a fun banter with those boys, and you've really done a good job. They're such good boys. I, I try. You know, I mean, my dad is a, was a really good dad, but he was also, and this is not disparaging to him, and he and I have had this conversation before, but he was kind of an absent father, right? Okay. My parents were divorced when I was young, and my dad lived an hour or so away, you know, and and- Back then, maybe, I don't know how it is now, but it was very, divorce was like, okay, you're with your mom and you're there for two weeks. And then every other weekend you're with dad and that's how it was. And so I just didn't see him as often as as a boy would have liked to, right? No Mm -hmm. fault of his or whatever. So in any case, I vowed that when I had kids that I was going to be a very present dad. That was my number one goal. And um, lo and behold, I turn out and have three boys. So super blessed to have three boys. Uh um, And- it was just paramount to me that I, I'm present for them. Yeah. You know? and, and and I'll be honest, that's one of the hardest things right now as they age up, you know, letting go of that a little bit. Yeah. It, it's hard. It's yeah. Hard, it's hard totally. seeing them grow and seeing, you know, because, you know, Jack's 24 now as of yesterday and McCoy's Crazy. 21. Yeah. And Henry's 17 and you know, 17 year olds. They're about to be empty nesters. Yeah. 17 year olds don't want to be hanging out with their parents at totally, all anyway. Right. Totally. So it's, it's, but it's talking about being present and talking about being a dad. There was one time that you weren't present. And it was just one moment, not a moment, but a situation. And it was when you had McCoy with you and he was in your van and you stopped at Starbucks. And what <laughs> happened? Uh, okay. Um, so, oh my God. So I drive a, <laughs> I drive a, a Volkswagen Eurovan and I'm a full creature of habit. I, I bought one off the lot in 2002 and I still drive a Volkswagen Eurovan. So in any case, but it's my baby and I'm not even a car guy, but that's my baby, right? Yeah. And so one day I picked McCoy up from school and I think he was probably like kindergarten. Yeah. Kindergarten or first grade or something. Right. And, um, and McCoy, love him. He was as a kid and maybe even now (laughs) he, he, he could throw some fits like nobody's business. He threw fits. Right. And would just melt down. And I wasn't, (laughs) Shree knew this, but I wasn't smart enough or present enough to understand that it was all sugar. When he had a lot of sugar in him is when it just pulsed through his veins and he would freak out, you know? And so in any case, I go, Hey, I want to, we're going to go, go get a Slurpee at 7-Eleven <laughs> because I had to run a couple of errands and I wanted to placate him. And so we go to 7-Eleven, get my kid a Slurpee, which is like, <laughs> which is like injecting sugar into his veins. Totally. It's the worst possible thing. Totally. So, because I had to go wash the car. So he has a Slurpee, he's sitting there sucking his Slurpee down. We're washing the car. And then I go, Hey, I want to, I think Shereen and I were going out that night or something. So I, hey, I'm going to swing by Starbucks and grab mom a coffee. Okay. And he just goes, I, I don't want to go there. I want to go home. And I go, dude, we're just going to go to Starbucks. It's going to take me two minutes. And I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. <laughs> Freaking out all of a sudden. And so I can see the sugar like starting to pulse. Go, God damn it, McCoy. You, then you can stay in the car. I'm going into Starbucks and I'm going to get mom a coffee. I'll be back here in under five minutes. Okay. Pissed. So in the five minutes that it took me to go in and get Cherie for whatever, vanilla latte or whatever the heck it is, I came out. McCoy, 
who actually had fine motor skills somehow figured out how to hold his pincers together with a pen and write all over my car. Not just any pen. A, sh- uh, a Sharpie, like a Sharpie. Yeah. All over my car, on the dashboard, on the upholstery seats, signed his name, <laughs> re- got, told, got my coins out of the coin jar, was writing McCoy <laughs> on the coins. And I got back. He always leaves his like it was stamp with his so name. So gnarly. I was so pissed. And 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 I apparently I apparently it was one hundred percent my fault because I got him the, the Slurpee. I I took him home and I said, Sheree, you have a problem to deal with right now. And she came down and was like, Oh my God. And she goes, Hey Oxy Mark, that's your problem. Because if you didn't get him that Slurpee, that probably wouldn't happen. <laughs> totally. Totally. You have so many I feel like we have so many good, not just McCoy, but like Jack stories, you know. And because we've we spent so much time with you guys yeah. when the kids were little before we had kids. And there is a story that I'll never forget about Jack. And it was he went to his like one of his first sleepovers. And his friend would just wear a t-shirt to bed. Do you remember this? I don't story? remember this, no. So he would just wear a t-shirt to bed. So he came out of his room the next night when he was staying back at your house with just a t-shirt on and he lifted up. <laughs> oh, he lifted- oh I, I know this one. <laughs> you tell it. It's so funny. Go. So, so um, he just lifted his t-shirt up. Yeah. And, and I jokingly, I go, Jack, don't do that, but put it down. And then I thought, hey, this could be funny. And I have my camera right there. And I go, Jack, lift it up again. And he lifted it up again. And I go, click. And I took a picture of it. Okay. And he stopped and he looked at me and he goes, dad, he goes, you're a pervert. <laughs> and he goes, I'm going to go to school tomorrow. I'm going to tell my teacher that my dad was taking pictures of my penis. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, 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 well, whoa, whoa, out, whoa, whoa. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh my God. I mean, it's just, there's so many great stories. I hope he didn't tell the teacher that. that I know, been can you imagine? Like, I'm going to tell Miss Rigney that my dad was taking pictures of I my like, penis. I like, like that you remember her name was Miss Rigney. It was, it wasn't was. it? Yeah, it was Miss Rigney. <laughs> it's all in the details. I'm going to tell Ro Rigney that my dad was taking naked pictures They're of me. all great. Now we have to get CPS involved. That would have been a bummer. Total, and, you, and you showed him you deleting it. You're yeah. like, no, yeah. you know, you can't go <laughs> tell your out. teacher that. Yeah. Like, not happening. Yeah, learn life lesson. Um, well, like, to wrap this up, I want to ask, what is your biggest, like, what would you say you're the most proud of or your biggest accomplishment would you say my family yeah. for sure okay 100 like 100 you take everything else away take every single thing away yeah and just the family that that i've been able to build with sheree you know collectively and and, and with our boys yeah. and so as a, as a unit the five of us like our tribe and i can say that because i'm native american 15.9 percent <laughs> so nobody can cancel me <laughs> true our tribe is is it for me yeah you know and and that, nothing even comes close to that you know whether it's whether it's building a business or a good career with hurley or house that none of that matters just the family just the fact that i've been able to do that and i think when you come from a from a you know just coming from being adopted i could i might not even be here yeah. so the odds of me this me living breathing building a family, the odds aren't really with me. And, yeah. and, it, and so I'm really, really fired up that- You have a lot of gratitude towards So them. much gratitude. That's awesome. Absolutely so much gratitude. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's that's the main thing that that I've, I think, and it's not always easy to remember in hard parts of life and totally. challenges and stress totally. of business and whatnot. Yeah. But if you step back and you think about gratitude, we're all pretty lucky, right? For sure, for sure. Well, yeah. it was so much fun sitting here and going through the stories and 
and learning a bit about you that I didn't know. Yeah. And um, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. I'll leave all of Mark Simpson's information in the bio. And if you want to reach out to him, feel free. But uh, thanks for being here. Yeah, and thank you, everyone, for listening. I'm just a dumb surfer that sells T-shirts that somehow <laughs> figured out a way to navigate my way through life. You've so, done a really good job. Uh, well, thank you all very right. much. So have you. Thanks, Mark. All I right. love you. Love you, too. Bye. All right, friends, that's all for today's episode of the Whiskey and Lace podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share the love and leave a review. And remember to join the Whiskey and Lace community by following me on TikTok and Instagram at Whiskey and Lace and send me a DM to say hi and mention this episode. I'd love to meet you. See you next week.